Hello and welcome to Equipped. We are a ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Norman, Oklahoma. Designed as another resource to equip Christians to engage with others and evangelize the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. My name is Curtis Winkle. I'm here with Ronnie Rogers and Ryan Polk, pastors at Trinity. And uh, we're continuing to do this on video. Of course, if you want to get the audio version, you can get that uh, on Apple or Spotify, your favorite podcast player, um, and subscribe there. This is episode 29, so we're going to talk about a multi-generational church and, and just some of the blessings and uh, the challenges that that provides here, but, but it is a huge blessing to go to a church with a number of ages. I think we have, uh, I know we have some babies in the uh, nursery and we have folks as old as maybe in the 90s for sure um, at this church right now, and that's, that's not something that all churches have, and so... Um, it's a beautiful thing, and, and so we want to talk about what that means. And and uh, Ronnie, I'll start with you. What are are some of the the blessings of a multi generational church? Well, one of the things is that it is multi generational. I mean, that's a blessing in and of itself because uh, we do gravitate to people who are like us, uh, general income level, interest, age, stage in life. And those are all fine, but, but it, it makes your uh, perspective uh, lack some significant things. So when you're in a multi-generational, so for the younger people, <clears throat> they get to be around older people who have experienced things, whether they failed at it or succeeded. I mean, it's great to be with someone, and part of their testimony is how they failed or some decisions they made right. So you can learn from other people's failures and successes so that you don't have to necessarily go down that road blind or make the same mistakes. The, the other thing is for like young people and young couples in our church, they get to see some of these older couples who have been married 40 and 50 and 60 years. So Peggy Roten, Jerry Roten just died. But if you're a young couple, you got to watch them serve then he got sick, she backed out of serving, and then she had to help him coming to church, and then eventually they're at home, and she's taking care of him, and yeah. she's there when he dies. Yeah. So for a young couple to have that vision of marriage in any of these couples, whether it's the Rotens or Hans Myers or any others, they would tell you there have been really difficult times, really hard times. So to have that, yeah, people still do stay married. Mm-hmm. And they still do well together. So for young people to see that, it's incredible. For older people, if they're just in a church that, let's say, you know, they're 60 and everybody's 60 and older, there is a great loss of joy and excitement and helping. Mm-hmm. And if we're not serving and helping some people, we lose something. So you can have them mentoring. I love uh, working with college students. I love college students coming in and asking questions and you're trying to answer them and help them. We've had them in our home. I I meet with them in my office. I just talked to one today, Zach, who's going into ministry. And of course, you know, y'all have been a part of his life as well. But we talked about him being a part of Roundtable. He's been in my home. We've met many, many times just talking and so forth. And to me, if that wasn't there, to be able to pour your whatever you've learned mm-hmm. by your mistakes or learning from God, if that wasn't there, that would be a great loss of joy in life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this that really came uh, just personally. I remember when we adopted Cooper, so first child, and uh, 
everyone we're talking to about children were people who had babies. And I was like, I don't, you know, you figure out pretty quickly. Well, you don't know any, you don't know any more than I do, you know. And so, then you really see the benefits of just what Ronnie explained. Like, you know, the people at that moment, I still loved my friends, but I wanted to get some answers from people who had actually raised children right. or had been through that stage of life. And so, it was a huge, just on a practical, something as everyday as, yeah, as kids. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, let me just comment on that. That that's just really an excellent point. So, so if you're young and you're starting to have children, getting your family going, and even if some of them are 10 and 12 and some of them are 6 or whatever, if you're just around peers, you may find out what they're doing, but you don't find out if they were successful. That's right. You have to look on down the line, and you have to see people who are now in their maybe 50s or 60s or 70s. And again, you know, I think of Gene and Nancy Hansmeyer, and just, just look at their family. Yeah. And and they're still all close. They're mm. all involved. I mean, this this is a legacy. Right. It, it's an incredible witness. And that that's what you get to see. So you can go ask them. You can actually go say, you know, what'd you do with this? How, how'd you handle this? Yeah. And just because certain things change. So, for example, you are rearing children who have much more access to the world than we did. Mm. But the principles still apply. That's right. The principles are exactly the same. You just have a more complicated implementation of yeah. those principles. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So uh, there are awesome opportunities and, and blessings that go along with just these overlapping ages and generations. Um, but there are also challenges, Ryan. So uh, you know, uh, we Emily and I played for the youth last night. Did worship. And uh, afterwards, my son was talking to me. He said, Dad, I, don't, I was listening. I don't think anybody knows those songs. I, don't know, I didn't see anybody singing. You know? I was like, well, yeah. I mean, they're not, they, they weren't that old. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, so from decorations and music to yeah. even politics and cultural things, there are a myriad of opinions uh, in, a, in a multi-generational church. Can you talk about uh, some of those challenges? Yeah, I mean, Randy would probably be one to really get, you know, be able to share some of this because I think a lot of it is driven around music, you know. And mm. I remember hearing John MacArthur talk about this years ago when he said, hey, just the reality is every generation always has its own music. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to be a multi-generational church, you're going to deal with that in one way or the other. Yeah. Um, and so, but it, but it's not just music. I mean, it's even things like uh, how they were raised in church, like traditional Sunday school or something like mm-hmm. this. You know, there's all sure. these things. Uh in this church, one that I've, and uh, you guys may have experienced this a little bit too, um, you know, homeschooling was not popular or even Christian schooling, what, two or three generations ago, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we have a lot of people who are retired now that were actually public school teachers. And so, and it was a different public school system. Sure. Uh, so they don't understand some of the concerns, the fears, or even the the allure of some of these alternative things. And they sometimes it's personal yeah. you know uh to them and so we face that not even in a just multi-generational family yeah. you know it's dealing with that and yeah. so i think that's one um uh so yeah and i think but you hit on the you hit the nail on the head i think about like the challenges are also opportunities it teaches i think it's a great opportunity for younger people to uh, die to self yeah and say these are people i can learn from 
defer some preferences. We all have to do that when we come together. Mm. No, yeah, I think sometimes people think staff, if we're here and we're making decisions, it means we get everything we mm. want at church. And, uh, you know, that if yeah. we're doing things the right way, yeah. no one ever gets everything that they want, you know, yeah. and that's part of it, you know, and we're doing that, it's kind of like a family. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, when when I was a when my kids were young was when I knew the most about parenting. Right. You know, uh, and so just saying, okay, maybe I don't have things figured out and doing exactly what Ronnie said and going to talking to people, um, coming back on Sunday morning and saying, I don't, have, I don't, have, it had to be my favorite songs. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's nothing. Uh, God did. God gave us a scripture. He did not give us a hymnal. Uh-huh. You know, and the, if you look at the history of the hymnal, it's changed. Mm-hmm massively over time and so sometimes they have to defer a little bit on that um, yeah. you know drums uh is a huge issue the the, the the loudness of a of a service mm-hmm. uh all of those things um are probably gonna be different than when people grew up in different things and the thing is i'm 43 yeah. so my kids gripe right i mean just like yours About so like, we like that's right i would come out of service and be like hey man this is you know what's going on, and my kids yeah. would be like, "Yours is terrible." Yeah. You know, right. <laughs> deal. Well, so. I, you know, I told you this story, but uh, it's been several months. But I, uh, Randy, was singing uh, "Beulah Land," right? Not necessarily my favorite song. It's not. It's a great song, but uh, um, he was singing it, and so I, I just happened to be looking around the sanctuary, and I saw uh, three different people. Uh, mouthing the words as he was singing it, you know, and and at that moment I realized, you know, well, that my heart is in the wrong place yeah. here. That's the Lord is using that to encourage them right now, mm-hmm. and so my preferences need to die for the good of the body. Um, so I, I think that's really important. What you, what you were touching on there. Um, the first time Randy ever sang that song, so I think I was second or third year working here working yeah. with youth, and uh, so of course they're talking about that song and one of the. I, young kid then it's like who is Beulah <laughs> who is this person that we're about? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah well um, how about some some encouragement so we've talked about some of the opportunities available but those aren't always happening those intergenerational yeah. conversations so what uh, what would you say maybe to an older saint um, Ronnie who uh, you know has a lot to contribute even if they don't feel yeah. like they have a lot to yeah. contribute and that's a huge thing, it by is. the way. I mean, when we talk to yeah. a lot of them, they're like, well, they don't, they don't want to hear from me, well, that's right. which is just the opposite. Yeah, you know? that's true. Well, I think some of the things we've done, uh, like the adopt-a-student, yeah. what it did was the student uh, said they would like this. And so an, an older person could say, okay, well, I can do that. Yeah. Sometimes they're a little bit timid. But I just had a, recently a situation where a woman wanted an older woman to mentor her and so I found a woman asked her if she would do it and she said she would love to do that yeah and and did it instantly I mean was instantly willing so sometimes they're willing they just don't know there's an opportunity and then the younger ones may be timid too so the more we can help with connections and things like that but even even just sitting down and talking You know, you can learn an enormous amount from an older person, but also being with a younger person can can help the older person uh, stay a little bit young. I, this is where I insert my uh, my uh, perennial plug for if you want to work with some young people, <laughs> right? Call right. me, text yes, me, throw that come in find me. You can. Uh, I'm always looking for youth volunteers, yeah. and it's a great time. 
Yeah. You know, like uh, Titus, we've talked about Titus. It's one yeah. of my favorite books to teach and stuff. But, you know, Titus 2 especially kind of presupposes uh, multi-generational. Mm -hmm. You know, the instructions, uh, younger men do this, younger women do this, older men. But one thing, you know, as I've taught through that and really tried to help people apply that, I've noticed is there's kind of like, I think there's desire on both ends. But there's kind of a hazy middle of like, well, who's supposed to, who's supposed to initiate this? Yeah. You know, how's it supposed to... What's the mechanism? Yep. So they end up looking, I think, maybe to us or a program or something like that. And so I think it, you know, if just to give a really strong encouragement to both sides, listen, if there's a younger person that, that God's working in your life and leading you to, to talk to, just go. Mm -hmm. Invite them to lunch, yeah. coffee. If you're a younger person and you really want to ask this, this older man or woman a question, set it up. It, you know, there's no right way for this to happen. Yeah. Just, just someone move in the right direction right and then the other thing that i think goes with that i think sometimes we're afraid to do that because we think if i ask them if they'll meet with me they're locked in till eternity right. till jesus comes back right. sometimes it's a meal yeah yeah sometimes the only thing that needs to happen is you've got some questions yeah. about parenting or maybe a young guy says wants to meet with an older guy and say help me think through about job how do i you know yeah. that's not that doesn't have to be once a week at yeah. six in the morning yeah. for the next 29 years right. but if God led and it turned into that great Praise him, yeah. you know but I mean it doesn't have to last forever sometimes it's just like Ryan said yeah. get together and, yeah. and ask these questions yeah so. I moved towards uh, several years ago doing rather than hey let's get together regularly just to doing hey you want to read this book together yeah and so that turns into yeah, a that's right. four puts week a, breakfast puts a back door. yeah, that's yeah right. it's it's over after that if we want it to be yeah. Ryan started this uh, we do it on a couple of these shooting things yeah and what I noticed was, so we show up the gun range, you're going to shoot your pistols and stuff for a little bit. But there was a lot of talking yeah. that went on in the couches, yeah. on the couches there, before and after. So you're through shooting and everything, but you're still sitting there talking. Well, sometimes in those environments, again, we've gathered around something, we're talking, and then things about job, uh, right. vocation, they come up. Yeah. And if you have a mixed group, which is what, again, is nice about those kinds of things, is it's not just your peers, mm -hmm. but you're around a whole host of people. Some of them been through some really hard things. Yeah. Some of the young people grew up in a fine Christian home, and some didn't. And that environment is really conducive to sharing and growing. Yeah, yeah, I think... I think at least in my experience with young men, and personally, we're always looking for models and guys just down the road, you know, and so... Paul imitate right. me as I imitate Christ, right? And so, what can my life look like? I'm I'm bent this way. Are, are there guys in the church who do that mm. similar thing? Yeah. And what does their life look like? I think it's important to have those kind of archetypes. Yeah. In I front do, of us. and I think you know, even the idea that, and we've seen this, and we all struggle with this to to some degree, probably about you know, like, well, I don't really have anything to offer. Sometimes that that's not so much uh, a genuine humility as it is more of a fear of wanting to to be known or to yeah. invest in someone so i would just say you know like you do have if you're here you've got something to offer if you you know if you yeah. you're going to minister to someone that's a great thing about even how titus receives those instructions from paul there's no there's categories but there's no ages mm -hmm. you know you're always going to i mean there's only one person in each church that's the oldest that's right. right i mean so you're most people are going to be older than some and younger than others yeah. And I really think that's the heart of the passage is that we ought to have both those kinds of relationships going on all the time. We're, we're always in those. Yeah. And uh, and it's it's so meaningful. You know, Ronnie hit on this while I go. 
you know, a young church can really become a prideful church, I think, because they think they've got everything figured out. Yeah. And that's dangerous. Yeah. I think an older church can really become, like, can lose hope sometimes mm-hmm. if they don't have younger people coming in because they see where this is headed. Mm-hmm. You know, that yeah. there's no one coming behind us. Mm-hmm. And what a great thing for, I think, he mentioned it about, because I've been encouraged about that a lot. I remember when the Pickards had their, like, 55th anniversary, and I just yeah. thought, like, it's the first time that hit me, like, 55 years yeah. is, yeah. Nice. that that's, I mean, when you start thinking about that. Yeah. But they get to look back and say, wow, isn't it great that we've been, I mean, Lois, we did this with our history deal. Lois has been here since the 50s, which is amazing, in this church. So she's got seven parts of seven decades looking at and seeing young people keep coming in, how God faithfully keeps building the church. What, I mean, what hope, that you know, is built into that? It's awesome. Yeah. You know what else about the multi-generational is, so let's just take your college. And let's just say you're in a ministry group. But all the people you're around, they're about your age. They're the general IQ you are. They're generally doing the same thing, you know? And so that's all you know. So you're isolated. Right. And if you think about some older people now, they're putting a nursing home. I'm not being uh, overly condemning of that. I'm just saying they're over here. You have to really work to go see them. You belong to a young church. You're at college, and then you're just around basically healthy people. You're not facing what really happens in life. That's right. So when you get in a multi-generational, this person is sick, this person died, this person went to the nursing home, and it's just helpful to stay in reality. That's right. This this is where we live, and we may can do something to help them, but also, like Ryan said, when you get older, there are some things you can do and do better, and you can contribute, and there are some things you can't do, but you are glad there are some coming behind you doing those things. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, just to know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I'm encouraging my young people all the time. Hey, you're you're young. You're you know, mm-hmm. we have different issues, but for the most part, as a group, we're pretty strong. We're mm-hmm. capable of doing some things, and so encourage your peers, but then serve those yeah. older than you. Yeah, yeah. care Absolutely. for those younger than you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a really big element of. You know, how do we take care of the widow and orphan if we don't know any, right? Well, that's so, um, well, I feel like we made a pretty some strategic decisions years ago when we were tempted, I think, you know, to we didn't want to have a college service. We wanted them in there with everyone else, you know, and the same deal with youth. You know, yeah. we didn't want to pull them out and do their own deal. Right. And, uh, and, and that can be harder. We know why people choose those different things, yeah. right. you know, and it's so you don't have to deal with some of the preferences and, and, right. and that kind of thing. And, yeah. But I, I don't think in the long run, it's good discipling, yeah. you know, because uh, yeah. we're all guilty of that to some degree. I mean, of preferences can become pretty, uh, pretty strong idols. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we all have to fight that. It's huge temptation. Yeah. And a lot of our struggles in church are not doctrinal. They're preferential. That's right. And so we all, we all like different music. The way I think about it is, because I like certain kinds, I'm a little eclectic, but I do like certain kinds. And then somebody else, you know, 20... They're liking this. Somebody 60 wants to go a different direction. But the rest of the week, I can listen to anything I want. That's right. I mean, how self-centered to think that you have to do it all for me. And then because I've worshipped in some churches that are quite different than ours, I mean, even in Baptist life, you know, if you're in a little country church and then a a, a sort of city country church and then one that's city, and then through time they change, and then if you worship in some high churches, 
what I've learned is I, I can actually worship regardless what the music is. That's right. But I sometimes have to adjust my mentality when I go in, mm. that it's not really going to be music I like, but it is worshipful, and I can do that. Mm-hmm. And I've found that I can do that. Yeah, yeah that would be a pretty interesting study to figure out, like, how many church splits what the percentage is, like doctrine versus preference. I oh, bet it's man. two to one. Let me tell you something. Uh, from my first church, which was country in the second church, where I stayed for 13 years, when we went to an overhead projector, it was one of the most massive changes that the church had experienced. And you could have split that church in a second mm. by doing that. Yeah. Because what you're saying is we were no longer using the hymn. It's not that you're just saying we're going to have hymns and these others mm-hmm. as it comes across. You're saying the hymns that you've held, some of you have held for 30 years, mm-hmm. we're not going to hold them anymore. Yeah. So it was a very difficult, and, and we spent quite a while making that transition yeah. because we didn't want to split. So you get used to a certain thing, yeah. and maybe you think of it a little bit too much. You make more of it than you should, but those others may make less of it mm-hmm. too little yeah, yeah. No, and we right. have to balance that out that's right what seems like uh you know all that we're saying is that it's a really healthy good dynamic to have so many different generations mm-hmm. but in order to get to some of those blessings and the good elements of it you kind of have to die to some of your preferences mm-hmm. right and recognize what's important recognize that these relationships are not going to be that's without right. investment right. without right. cost without yeah. Again, dying to some yeah. of the things that I want. So, anything else to add, either you guys? No, I mean, I just think it's uh, it's one of those things that we talk about it a lot, but encourage. Like I bring it up when I lead Discovering Trinity. Like this is one of the best things about our church is that you, you know, you get this this uh, spectrum, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, I, you know, we we all need to do that and make sure that we're not taking that for granted because yeah. it is unique. It is unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Another thing I would say it's probably more needed now than ever. So I compared Gene and I. So I grew up in a very different life than her, but just as far as a familial connection, there were, uh, in my growing up, I have a sister, but we didn't live together and stuff. So there were no siblings. There were no aunts and uncles. There were no grandparents. Mm-hmm. There was no connection. Gina grew up, and in her area, there were aunts, uncles, cousins, siblings, grandparents you went out to the grandparents on Sunday out they had a big piece of land and you went out there and swatted flies on the front porch while they were cooking and stuff but you played out in the field they she has memories of working at one of her aunts who had a a, a fruit stand and she'd make you sweep the dirt floor and pick up sticks in the yard but see all of those are incredible memories And so she has this great gravitas of growing up in this family and this stability that when I look back, it's a blank space. When she looks back, it's all of this wonderful memories. And some of them at the time, maybe this aunt was being too hard on you about the sticks in the yard, but you laugh. So we tell our children, with our grandchildren, I'll say something, I'll say, one day that'll be a special memory to them. They'll remember that their papa said this to them or that their Gigi said this to them, and that will help them. Well, the same thing applies in the church. Mm -hmm. When you're around the older people, you get to know them, and they say things, and you are connected in a way that you wouldn't be if you're just one generation. Mm -hmm. 
That's what Jesus was touching on, right? When he said, you're going to receive a hundredfold yeah, of what? Yeah. yeah. I was talking to a guy, um, and we, we didn't touch on this idea very much, but of, of even singles, you know, I was talking to a, a guy who, you know, didn't think he was going to have kids. And, and I said, man, you're a part of a church and, and you can watch my kids anytime, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, right. but, but that is, I think, part of the blessing of that's the right. church is you get to participate in the lives of kids right. at different ages that even if you, you know, the Lord doesn't yeah. uh, bless you with yeah. kids and your family, so. Absolutely. All right, well, that's been really helpful. Thank you both, and uh, we'll, we'll catch you next time on TBC Equipped.